Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number, oh, I have it wrong, 63 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. <laughs> and I'm Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden, not Biz. Today we are talking with Dr. John Robinson for the second time about LDN hormones and the thyroid, and we can't wait. We loved him the first time. We thought we'd bring him back. <laughs> As you can tell, we're really excited to talk with him again. Uh, the first show was an awesome show. I remember that was one of the first time we talked about the spiritual side of, of uh, thyroid disease. Real quick, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation podcasts, you can very easily download and listen to them at your leisure on iTunes and Stitcher, and stay tuned as Dana turns each show into an article that you can listen to or easily reference. Very cool. Should we take that out? I'm feeling a lot of pressure. <laughs> no, we'll just keep saying it, you know. Okay, we'll just keep saying it until it happens. We just we get giggly with Dr. Robinson. We can't wait. Okay. Dr. John A. Robinson is a board-certified naturopathic medical doctor specializing in natural integrative therapeutics, endocrinology, thyroidology, and mind-body medicine. My favorite. He focuses his medical specialization on conditions of altered metabolism, particularly hormonal imbalances and thyroid disease. He has developed a unique and refreshing approach to the treatment of thyroid disease called Thyrozone which we have heard about and we'll tell you a little bit more about again today, where his patients find real solutions for their thyroid and their metabolism. Since 2006, Dr. Robinson has helped thousands of patients by focusing on the treatment of conditions related to hormone deficiencies utilizing natural bioequivalent, bioidentical, hormone pellets uh, in conjunction with uh, nutritional, herbal, lifestyle, all that good stuff. His book, The Hormone Zone, comprises years of experience and research in the study of endocrinology and metabolism hormone imbalances, thyroid disease, and natural health approaches, all surrounded by a deep understanding of human psychology and spirituality. And that was one of our favorite things. We always reference his show because um, the mind-body connection is, is so strong, and we need to listen to it more, and he talks about it. So we had such a great show. It was show. a huge flower field show. Yeah, it was. And it was the whole show, and Tiffany and I, we reference that show all the time. So he's, he has a lot to live up to today. We can't wait to talk to him. Well, it looks like he's with us. Good morning, Dr. Robinson. Hello, good morning. Can you hear me? We can. Yes. Ah, great. It just I heard something about muting or something like that, and I definitely don't want to be muted because I want to be able to chat with you ladies. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Hi. As soon as I get on the as soon as I got on the line and I'm listening to you guys are just laughing and it's just contagious like instantaneously. Um, so it's just it's wonderful to hear uh, both your voices. Oh, thank oh, well, you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Oh. What's, what's new with you? Well, um, gosh, you know, a lot is going on here with the practice. We really are just exploding here lately. Um, it's been very exciting. Um, a lot of new patients coming in. A lot of new patients have come from uh, Thyroid Nation as well. Uh, we've been uh, blessed to have people coming from really all over uh, the, the surrounding area, southwest area. People are um, coming out of state to come and see us here in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
Um, so we're really excited about it. I'm just always excited to serve and just get that message out to as many people as possible that you don't have to live with it and that healing is always an option. And I think hormones and particularly focusing on thyroid is one of those big keys to, to help with that. I love that. A doctor that actually says serve. You know, a doctor that says serve the people. That's just, to me, that's that's priceless right there. Yeah, I I think it's a higher calling. Um, You know, we don't don't go help in the military. We serve in the military. Uh, Maybe, gosh, even religious uh, missions and all that. People serve in those things. So I think it's a higher calling when you're serving. You're, you're putting yourself really more on the level of the individual that you, you seek to serve and versus helping. And, you know, and I inevitably help people, too. Uh, it's hard to get away from that word, but helping maybe implies you're sort of maybe above the person in some way or they have to have you in order to, to, to get where they're going to go. And I just see myself mm-hmm. as a conduit or as a coach and, and, and to be able to just to put everything aside and just serve. And most of the time, things just fall into place for patients then. Okay, mm. let's get our flower field out, Tiff. I know. Seriously. <laughs> I'm just going to be in, a, in a, just a perpetual flower field today. Don't mind me. Yep, yep. We can't help it. We talk about you all the time. Your ears must be burning all the time, Dr. Robinson. Well, the, both of you as well, because I talk about you all the time, and I think it seems that uh, Thyroid Nation continues to um, get the message out as well. You're constantly growing by what I can tell on Facebook, and, and things are just moving forward for you as well, and that's just a testament to uh, to your message and your passion and your truth. So thank you for that. Thank you. And mm. today is World Thyroid Day, so I did a little, just a little bitty um, article on that. I'm going to put it on my Facebook page. Speaking of, World Excellent. Thyroid Day is today. today. Crazy, right? Yeah, that, and we need more of that. Uh, we should, that it's yeah. almost every day. <laughs> you know, that's yes, one of the is. most interesting... Go ahead, Dana. Go ahead, Tiff. Nope. No, I was just going to say that's one of the most interesting things Dana and I talk about all the time is that, you know, interviewing people from around the world, this is not an exclusive problem to the U.S. This is a, this is a, a worldwide pandemic that, that's going on. And what's crazy is, is we have access to more medications, you know, particularly T3 and, and natural desiccated thyroid. In a lot of these countries, they don't even have access to that. Uh, I mean, it just craziness when you really think about it yeah that it's it's unfortunate and i've had people um you know so probably the 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 type of emails that i get that pull at my heartstrings probably the most are the random emails that i get from people from the uk that people from the netherlands um and of course, they all can write and speak in English, even in these other countries. They put us to shame with that, uh, with knowing right. more than one language. Although Dana, I know you, uh, you know, habla español. Yes. <laughs> but, I was dead. But, right. I was dead. Got it. But <laughs> what they'll do is that you know they're they're asking, uh, if not begging, for for information and for for some kind of help, and makes it kind of challenging for me uh, over here in, in little Scottsdale, Arizona. And I and I do my best to guide them, but. Uh, it's really tough if they're in a in a in a country where they can't even get something as as basic as uh, you know thyroid hormone, whether it's natural desiccated thyroid hormone T3 or gosh even a good amount of uh, T4. Uh, they they often struggle with that, and that's uh, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, so okay, yay well, for I'm, the U.S. Just, right now. <laughs> yes, yay for the U.S. 
I'm right, just going to exactly. throw this out there. I'm just going to throw this out there because I just didn't really know or didn't pay attention. But um, I did not know that that was your wife, and uh, you guys practice and together, right? We do absolutely. I am very blessed to have uh, that opportunity. Um, we've been together now practicing um, since February of 2015. I was in a very large uh, practice uh, for a long time. She was doing her private practice, and uh, we decided to, to finally join forces and, uh, and bring these concepts together and really just start um, really serving. I think we, got, we both got to a point where we wanted to pull it all together to really, really get the message out and codify the hormone zone and really talk about age management and thyroid and all these things uh, just to a larger uh, base. And so we've been able to do that. We recently moved uh, into uh, uh, an office that's about three times the size of what we were in before uh, and just really, really um, excited about moving forward. You know, it's funny, back in medical school, and that's where I met my wife uh, back in 2002, and we've been together since about 2004, and in medical school, we actually had a vision of, of joining practices. And uh, actually, there was a competition that we did in school where we brought <laughs> everything together, and you had to do a competition. We called it a business plan competition within our class. Each class had to do it. And uh, we had several groups within our class, and we wound up winning the whole thing. We had to present in front of the Better Business Bureau and bankers and all of that, and we just oh, had a wow. good presentation, a good idea, and, and, and we just always have worked well together uh, as well as just romantically, but also uh, from a business standpoint. She's, just, she's my best friend. Uh, she's my, my partner in life and uh, partner in crime, so to speak. Sometimes we joke about that, but, you know, she's, just, she's always there for me no matter what. And uh, so to be able to serve alongside of her, and in so many ways, she's she's just from a business standpoint and understanding that side of it, the, the number side of it. I'm not the best at that. Uh, I'm, I'm better in the trenches, and she's just so good at all this. We we just have the best of both worlds, putting it all together, and we're just passionate about it. Hmm. Well, I that just is, love it. I think it's so neat. That's so that's what a awesome. what a wonderful reason to. If you're anywhere nearby there, or even you know just listening, um, you know what a great concept what a great idea how wonderful to be able to to have your doctor and his wife that they all know the same thing and to have the woman's perspective the man's perspective yes, I think that's, yes. that's, that's a great point too because sometimes you know people want to come in and they want the man male perspective she's had several male patients that she sent over to me that maybe could uh you know just be able to chat to a guy kind of thing and then vice versa sometimes women just want to be able to speak to another woman so or vice versa you never know what the combination would be so being able to have the option for patients or sometimes we just share patients we just i do certain things with a patient she does other things and then they get the best of both worlds because they're getting opinions in, in, in two different directions and so uh, yeah it's, it's wonderful to be able to do that well I just so wanted I to mention it because I think it's so neat so so there you go there's your Great. there's your, there's your <laughs> wife mentioned tell her hello hola I, will. I gotta oh ask how do you guys balance the personal business I mean are are you pillow talking uh, medical cases or or you guys work real hard at trying to separate the two or just go seamlessly with it. Yeah, gr great question too. I, it's both, and see, the, <laughs> the thing is for me, um, and for both of us, we work is our play. 
So the way we feel about it and how excited we are to continue to get this message out and watching everything grow, and this is like another baby for us. And you remember, we've got two small children at home as well, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a nine-month-old. So this is the other baby that we have. And so wow. for us, because it's so, you know, we're so passionate about it that it's easy for us to talk about it and not necessarily get in the way. However, <laughs> we're still human. And, uh, yes, we have to sometimes say today we're not going to have the pillow talk about that and talk right. about other things, and, and we do. And, and certainly with the children, we're focused on all of that. So we, we, we balance it, uh, I, I think, pretty well. But, you know, again, we're human, and, and there's moments where it can be a little bit stressful. But I just – people say, how can you work with your wife or how do you work with your husband? And, I, you know, we, we'll go to work together, go home together. It's just, I don't know, we've always been that way. We've always, as soon as we met, we were pretty much stuck at the hip, <laughs> and it was always easy for us. That's, that's oh, so that. cool, and I love to hear that, and I guess I'm so attracted to it because that's how I am with my husband. He's sitting right yeah. here next mm-hmm. to me working on Thyroid Nation, and we pretty yeah. much always work together. So Wonderful. it's fantastic. So anyway, just wanted to give that a quick shout-out. Okay, let's jump right into it, Dr. Robinson. we got lots to yeah. talk about. Yes. So shoot. Yeah, yeah, Tiff. Well, I'm sorry. Talk. I was that was that was your lead-in. Sorry, Tiff. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> so let's just jump right into LDN because a lot of people really that's that's not a very uh, common topic. So tell us about LDN and how it applies to thyroid patients. Sure. I'm really excited about LDN. This has been something that I've known about for many years. Um, probably in the past few have uh, dug into it even more. Um, done some more additional training with it, and really started to prescribe it more and use it as a tool. So LDN is an acronym that stands for low-dose naltrexone. Naltrexone is an FDA-approved 50-milligram pill, uh, or it's FDA-approved at 50 milligrams. And naltrexone, interestingly, is a medication that they'll give to patients who are addicted to things like heroin, uh, opioids, uh, narcotics, and so normally when I present that to patients, they say, well, why the heck does he want to give me this medication? Uh, that's, you know, I'm not on heroin. I don't really see too many heroin addicts. Um, but at 50 milligrams, what they found in the 1980s, and this has been around since the 1980s, this medication, they found in the 1980s that with naltrexone, it will suppress endorphin release. And so that's a good thing because the reason somebody's on an, uh, an opioid or a, a narcotic or, or heroin isn't really for the heroin. They're looking for the the endorphin release that they get out of that, a very large endorphin release. So in order to wean someone someone off that medication, naltrexone helps to dampen that endorphin response. And so what they found was, because they were just studying the heck out of it in the 1980s, uh, there was a couple of different scientists and physicians that were really focusing on it. And what they found was that if they gave low doses of naltrexone, right around between 3, maybe 4.5 milligrams of naltrexone, they found that it, and especially if they gave it at night, it would suppress the endorphins just slightly because it was such a low dose. And then as soon as it suppressed it just a little bit, boom, there would be this big rebound of endorphin. And what they found was that that endorphin release that was happening, it was a natural progression of endorphin release. They found that it was stimulating the immune system, and it was helping then with autoimmune conditions. And particularly back then, they were doing a lot of work with multiple sclerosis and Crohn's disease. 
both autoimmune in nature. And remember, autoimmune means uh, the, your own immune system attacking a particular tissue, like your uh, nervous system or like your uh, thyroid or your joints, like in rheumatoid arthritis. So they found that it was helping with that, and it just kind of exploded from there, and then it kind of dampened down again. We didn't hear as much about it, and really here in the past decade or so, there's been a large resurgence of reexamining this because there was a large resurgence of understanding that so many diseases are autoimmune in nature. Again, Hashimoto's thyroid issues, these are uh, often really just autoimmune in nature. Um, so they, we started looking at it again. And there's a great uh, web resource that I highly recommend. It's ldnresearchtrust.org, ldnresearchtrust.org. And this amazing group um, has, br has brought together scientists and doctors from all over the world and their experiences with giving naltrexone to all kinds of patients. So aside from multiple sclerosis and Crohn's disease and uh, thyroid Hashimoto's disease, I mean, gosh, uh, it has psychiatric um, uses, so helping with mood disorders. It has bariatric implications, so they're using that for weight loss in bariatric centers. They're using it um, with autism. And in fact, on ldnresearchtrust.org, you can see quite a few um, anecdotal videos and things like that. Um, you know, the thing about autism is uh, there's really very little placebo that's going on with autism. In other words, if you give something to a child who has autism and it works, it's going to work. There's not that much placebo going on, um, or in, certainly in comparison to um, an adult or a, a normal adult. So... Uh, that's pretty profound to see, you know, people saying, yes, I, I've given low-dose naltrexone to my autistic child, and that is the thing to be able to actually help and change them. So here's the great thing about it. LDN and naltrexone is dirt cheap um, and very relatively accessible. Because it's FDA approved at a 50-milligram pill, you can have it compounded at a compounding pharmacy very easily. And how I normally do it for my thyroid patients, so making full circle here specifically to most of my work has been with, for my thyroid patients. So if a thyroid patient comes in to see me and we've done some uh, specific blood work and we've determined that they have elevated antibodies, and those would be two very extremely important blood tests to make sure that have been done, and I say two because I check for two different types of antibodies. One's called anti-TPO or anti-thyroperoxidase, and another one's called anti-TG, or anti-thyroglobulin. Those are really important. Most doctors don't check any. If they do check, they only check the anti-TPO, and they right. almost hardly ever check the anti-TG. I find that to be a mistake because sometimes the anti-TPO is not elevated and the anti-TG is, and then you're finding Hashimoto's. Also, anti-TG, if very, very elevated, could uh, be giving somewhat of a sign towards thyroid cancer. So it can be somewhat of a thyroid cancer screening tool as well. So if somebody comes in, we've checked their antibodies, they have elevated antibodies, either anti-TPO or anti-TG, one of the tools that I use is to give them low-dose naltrexone. And we compound it at a 1.5 milligram pill, and then they'll take 1.5 milligrams nightly. You always want to take it at night. You take it uh, nightly, 1.5 milligrams for the first week, second week, three milligrams or two pills, and then we get up to sort of the standard dose of 4.5 milligrams. Most of the research has been done on 4.5 milligrams. Um, so we will bring it up to that, and then they normally just stay on that 
Now, what my goal is, obviously, to help people first and foremost feel better, um, get those instant results on that level. But from a clinical standpoint and from a large picture standpoint, I'm going to just continue to watch their antibodies. And what I've found now in using it, it's not often a very instant result. They don't get this, you know, quick lowering within a month or two of their antibodies. I've seen that, but that's mostly not what happens. It takes about a year. And that's really true of any approach towards bringing down thyroid antibodies. It normally takes a little while. Um, so, but with the LDN, that's true. But here's the cool thing about LDN as well. It doesn't have a side effect profile really associated with it. The worst that you normally see is somebody saying they have vivid dreams. And out of the you know, hundreds of people that I have prescribed this to, I can only think of one person who couldn't handle that. So somebody said, no, no, some really crazy dreams, and they were uncomfortable with it. And then in that case, you just give the patient uh, the LDN first thing in the morning. It's more optimal to give it at night um, uh, to get that rebound uh, endorphin effect, but you can give it in the morning and still achieve that. But most people just say, yeah, you know, now I'm, uh, I've got some deeper dreams and a little more vivid and it's no big deal. In fact, they maybe enjoy that. The other sort of, quote, side effect that comes from the LDN is just a sense of well-being. But so many people tell me just being on the LDN alone helps uh, with just their sense of calmness. Uh, and again, like I said, it has psychiatric uses as well. Um, so we can see that it's helping with mood. I got yes. two burning questions for you, Dr. Robinson. I apologize for cutting you off. No, please. I uh, the first rambling. one is, is any ideal elevation in antibodies, in other words, would it apply to someone at 250 or, or is it more applicable at someone at 2,500? Either or. To me, um, elevated antibodies um, are, are clinically relevant. Obviously, a high, well, not even obviously, but I would say most of the time, if it's a very high number, like this 2,500, I see where this lab says greater than 3,000, meaning any number greater than 3,000. Uh, so these are very high numbers, and you write two, the 250s, you know, I see these often. Um, in the, the, the above 2,000 is a little more rare, but I still see it. Either way, it's okay. important, and, and I'll Either tell you way, why. So, Either yeah. way, and let, let me tell you specifically why. Here's the thing about the blood work. The blood work for antibodies is not always accurate. And they did a study with this. I talk about this in my book, The Hormone Zone. I, they, they did a study with this a long time ago. Uh, this is just one small little study um, where they were looking at blood tests for these antibodies. And then the patients were volunteering to allow the doctors to do a fine needle aspiration, an FNA, which is really taking a small little needle and taking a little sample of the thyroid tissue out of the thyroid gland and then examining that under a microscope. And what they found was there was a significant percentage of people who did not have elevated antibodies in the blood, but when you actually looked at the tissue on the, in the microscope, they showed a thyroiditis or an inflammatory reaction that's happening. Um, so, unfortunately, um, just like really any singular test is never perfect, the, an the anti-TPO and the anti-TG does not always show that there is, uh, 
you know, this, this Hashimoto's inflammatory process happening. So some people will come in and actually really have all the signs of Hashimoto's. And, and a lot of that really comes down to they have flares of really ups and downs in terms of how they feel. Their throat feels like it's closing or they have a choking sensation or their, their tongue is feeling swollen. Or they may actually show on ultrasound a slightly enlarged uh, thyroid gland. If those things are there, but even though the anti-TPO and anti-TG is low, I may still consider to, to treat it like an autoimmune condition and give them something like LDN and other things. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so that's my, my answer to say that because sometimes you know, 250 is just what's on the blood, but maybe they have a right. crazy Hashimoto's issue and vice versa. Okay, now my second question, and thank you, that was a wonderful, wonderful explanation. My second question is, so for the average bear, they're thinking decrease of endorphins, but I feel like I'm completely detached. In other words, many uh, Hashimoto's are lacking emotion and they have no uh, creativity that they used to have. Their sex drive or desire is gone, and they're thinking, are you kidding me? Decrease endorphins further, but then you're saying it, it actually is uh, increases vivid dreaming and whatever. So can you help explain for us how that actually switches that around. Yeah, and let me, let me be clear again. Remember, LDN increases endorphins. Oh, I thought you said decreases. Yeah, well, that's – here's <laughs> – I was thinking, yeah, wait a minute. Wasn't <laughs> what because it does, of the addiction. Exactly. So 50 milligrams, the, quote, larger amounts or the regular amount that they first were studying, that – absolutely suppresses endorphins. Decreases it. So in small doses, it actually works opposite. Yeah, it gives you a little decrease, and then boom, all of a sudden there's a big increase of endorphins. It's like a rebound effect that happens only at the low doses, only at the 4.5 milligram doses. So So we're getting more endorphins. Really really applicable for those people who are feeling very detached. Absolutely. And that's that's Mm. a good segue, too, and I would say... A lot of the things you just mentioned there can be very Hashimoto's uh, related in and of itself. However, what I do is I focus on the large hormonal picture. So sometimes someone says they're detached and and feeling that way, and that could be low estrogen. That could certainly be low testosterone. That could be lack of thyroid hormone. That certainly can be oxytocin deficiency. So the thyroid is really awesome because it affects every single cell in your body, head to toe, inside and out, so therefore every tissue. So your ability to make these other hormones are influenced by thyroid. So sometimes it's a chicken or egg. We don't exactly know what uh, maybe caused it per se. Sometimes I think it's really happening simultaneously, certainly with menopause. Menopause and low thyroid is often this sort of uh, double demise, this kind of thing that's happening all at the same time. So again, chicken or egg there, who knows? It doesn't really matter. In my mind, I want to treat both things. And if I have the advantage of, of someone saying, well, I'm, I'm feeling detached and I can attack as many different things as possible hormonally, nutritionally, holistically for them, then they're going to have better outcomes and better results of getting better. But yeah, oxytocin, by the way, that's that love hormone, the snuggle hormone, uh, the bonding hormone, and a lot of people that come in that are feeling that sort of detached thing, um, uh, we will check oxytocin levels, and um, often they're very low, and that's also a very 
profound and easy hormone to prescribe and can be wonderful for people, particularly people with fibromyalgia, because it helps with pain as well. And interestingly, fibromyalgia patients also can be low thyroid, and fibromyalgia patients often feel detached, uh, a lack of emotion. So it's all kind of intertwined and tied in. Right. Now, I'm kind of going off topic a little bit here, but um, that's a wonderful subject. And unfortunately, almost impossible for most people to actually get their doctor to test that. <laughs> it's yep. like, that's, a, that's literally just shy of an act of God. <laughs> I may even say it like that, but... <laughs> uh, which is very sad. That's one reason to, to go to Arizona and go see Dr. Robinson right. right there. That's worth the trip. <laughs> and, and, and or his wife, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about oxytocin real quick. One way you can increase your oxytocin, listeners could do it right now, is just find someone and stare in their eyes and just gaze in their eyes. It's one of the easiest ways to increase oxytocin. Now, it won't always work depending on the individual. But a lot of times we're detached because we're detached maybe in our relationships or in our relationship with the outer world, um, and that leads to the low oxytocin, or maybe the low oxytocin led to us wanting to think and feel and act that way. Who knows? Either way, that's one of the little profound ways to do that. I've got a blog post where I talk a little bit about that. I'm doing it right now, you guys. Don't just hang on. Y'all keep talking. I'm right here. No, wait a minute. You don't need any increased oxytocin. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great. Oh my well, God! Smiling does that count? Okay, go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me like, "What are you doing?" Because he can't hear, and so I just pulled him over here and sat and looked at his eyes. And he's just like blinking at me, and he's winking. He's opening his eyes, smiling. Oh my yeah, God! Right. So well, yeah, or it doesn't count if he's rolling his eyes. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he did that first. All right. Oh my God! <laughs> well, you know that was that's such a crazy. Uh, unfortunately, uh, honestly, I can honestly say that that's one of the most untouched subjects, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> but yeah. one of the most untouched subjects in thyroid disease, and it's it's very common, uh, you know, within the forums and stuff like that, women talking about just lack of sex drive and lack of, of just even feeling like being touched or feeling like touching or just anything like that. It's, you know, costs people their marriages, it's, you know, and it and it runs right down to that that one little hormone, which is very sad. <laughs> yes, yes. Or sometimes uh, it can run down to all of these hormones, all kind of you know wrapped up in one. And that you know that's just something I learned over the years that you know people, let's say they 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 understand that they have something going on with their thyroid and they've got a lot of these symptoms, especially with thyroid because the thyroid's the great pretender. It can be all these different things, and it's true. But people will come in and thinking, well, everything's, it's got to be my thyroid. And in many cases, it just largely is. Uh, But in some instances about some of the things they're experiencing, it's not just tied into thyroid. Because we'll correct things, even in the way I do it. I give very adequate amounts of thyroid hormone, way more than uh, a regular doctor would give. The patient actually starts to feel better in a lot of ways. But some things still might be missing. 
And if we approach other hormones and other things, then we can get that full picture handled. Because sometimes it's not just the thyroid or vice versa. Some, a woman will come in and say she's in menopause and she says, I know I just need some estrogen and testosterone. I know that's all it is. I just need that. And I say, yeah, that's part of it, but your thyroid is also a wreck. In other words, I won't get very far with them and how they're feeling if we don't address the thyroid as well. So we have to look at the big picture. So let's talk a little bit about that cascade of hormones uh, because, you know, frequently they're, they're together. So uh, let's talk about that domino effect of the hormones. Yeah. Oh. Um, yes, let's talk about that. Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> Whether the thyroid is first or the hormones are preempting, let, let's talk about what you see more frequently, whether it's the thyroid that, you know, is that the tip of the domino or the other hormones. So I think that that's a great question. Let me think about that. I, I think that that is based on age. The first thing, if I had to kind of bring it all back to one hormonal system, if I had to pick, I would pick the adrenals. The adrenals are small little grape-sized glands that sit on top of your kidneys. They secrete adrenaline or epinephrine, norepinephrine. They secrete uh, cortisol, uh, DHEA, and actually other sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. But probably the main product is they secrete you know, this adrenaline and the, uh, and the cortisol. And so what happens is with stress, um, those adrenals get affected. They become dysfunctional, sometimes low, sometimes very high, um, sometimes low when they should be high and high when they should be low. They, they get all kind of haywired on how they're secreting hormone. And that can then affect a lot of other things, including the thyroid, certainly including, uh, let's say, a woman's uh, cycle, um, uh, her, her menstrual cycle. It can affect that. And all this can happen uh, with adrenal issues, interestingly. It starts happening in childhood. So that would be the first thing. Sometimes you can bring it back to that. And if you treat the adrenals, things that look like it would be low thyroid or look like it would be gynecological in, in, in nature because it's uh, some problem with uh, the menstrual cycle or something like that, once you treat the adrenals, those things can get better up to a point depending on the person, depending on the situation. So that's the first thing that I would pick. But then from there, probably secondarily, I'd probably pick the thyroid because the thyroid also affects every single cell and hormone and tissue in the body. So for a lot of people, it does stem from, from that as well, especially if there's a lot of nutritional issues. Iodine deficiencies, uh, selenium deficiencies um, will really, really impact the thyroid and then therefore affect everything else. So, uh, but... If we're talking about a woman, let's say, in menopause, I was alluding to this before, if a woman's right around you know, 50, give or take, and she's starting to enter menopause, that normally is heralded and accompanied by a thyroid problem at the same time. Because the thyroid is affecting the ovarian tissue, estrogen, and its products uh, from the ovaries are affecting the thyroid gland, um, back and forth. So as a woman's starting to have less estrogen, less testosterone, she's entering into menopause, that taxes the thyroid. And if the thyroid was already weak to begin with, it was just kind of hanging on by a thread anyway, and then you go into menopause, it's a big shock to the system, and then th now they have a thyroid issue as well. Those are re that's a really common combination of adrenals, thyroid, and sex hormone deficiencies for women right when they're entering menopause. It's they get the, the trifecta. Mm -hmm. um, so we, again, are examining 
the whole picture. Did you have a specific question about uh, any of that? I, I know I, I wrote this article here for you guys uh, about that, and I kind of went through some of the specific research and some specific things on how each hormone affects uh, other things. Right. I mean, there's just there's some, people, there's some patients who, of course, are, have normal hormones and then a thyroid problem. I mean, you know, this is what kills me about the fact that there's any one-size answer fits all is because people can right. enter into the whole thyroid problem from, from, for multiple different reasons, you know? Yep. Yeah, and, and one size never fits all, um, and that's really, to me, the way medicine should be. It should be this individualized uh, approach uh, to, to each person. You know, we have a model here at the Hormone Zone of how we're kind of, you know, a system of how we're doing things, but, gosh, every person's going to have different reasons, uh, different whys in terms of why they're there, and therefore a different uh, uh, approach to how we're going to handle it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's all intertwined for sure. So um, as far as, uh, let's say, sex hormones in your thyroid, um, I'd like to remind people that one of the th- I deal with a lot of estrogen and testosterone for women, perimenopausal and menopausal. And one of the things that estrogen does, uh, so some women on birth control pill or uh, taking some kind of estrogen replacement therapy, what estrogen does is it increases something called thyroid binding globulin. In other words, it decreases the amount of active thyroid hormone in your body. So for women on estrogen, particularly, let's say, the the birth control pill, they're actually decreasing their function or at least decreasing the availability of active thyroid hormone. But here's the thing about that. So we think, oh, gosh, estrogen's bad. No, not necessarily. Or estrogen replacement therapy is bad, not necessarily. If it is accompanied by testosterone, because testosterone decreases thyroid binding globulin. So estrogen's increasing it and testosterone's decreasing it. So one one hormone is kind of uh, affecting thyroid hormone, perhaps we could say negatively, and the other hormone is sort of balancing out that. So for most of my patients that are receiving estrogen, if not practically really all of them, are also concomitantly getting testosterone. So we balance out the balance (laughs) by making sure both those hormones are in place. So that would not negatively affect, if anything, it could potentially positively affect the thyroid function. I think that's an important fact. It is such a juggle, isn't it? I mean, you see so much um, estrogen therapy, and, and, you know, for some people the progesterone never has been tested, and you're like, I mean, it's it's such a balancing act. Hormones are such a balancing act. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and we have to create that balance for sure. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, there's so many people that that are under the, um, well, perception is not the right word, but that's for whatever's coming to mind, but that uh, hormone replacement is potentially uh, carcinogenic. It can cause cancers. Can you Can you kind of rebuttal that a little bit or tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah, and also another uh, uh, blog post that, uh, that I just recently uh, posted on, on my blog um, that uh, the question is, you know, the title is, does hormone replacement therapy, estrogen hormone replacement therapy cause breast cancer? The answer is yes. If it is a synthetic form of estrogen, particularly if it is a synthetic form of progesterone, these are called progestins, if they are synthetic I believe there's enough evidence to point towards an increased risk. 
really mostly it's the synthetic progesterone. Even the synthetic estrogen, really it's arguable that that's not even really increasing uh, the risk for breast cancer very much, but certainly synthetic progesterone has been shown in uh, multiple lar- medium and large size studies. Probably the most mm-hmm. popular one is the Women's Health Initiative. A lot of people know about that. That was that big study. It was a, a long-term study from the 90s. They abruptly stopped it in 2002 when they went, oops, it looks like uh, this estrogen that we're studying here is increasing, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, breast cancer. They sort of flipped on them a little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. And then, you know, you had uh, doctors are pulling women off of uh, estrogen and they're hot flashing all over the United States. It was a really big mess. <laughs> and then, not funny, and, but funny. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we were laughing uh, uh, near you, not at you. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, uh, and at that point, you, you had this issue where, um, uh, you know, enter this woman named um, Suzanne Summers who starts writing about bioidentical hormones and her experience. All this is right around that same time. So I'm giving you a little bit of history and a, and a long right. answer here that what happened was we started looking more into a natural form of estrogen and testosterone and hormone replacement therapy and natural progesterone because those hormones do not increase the risk for breast cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, et cetera. And so there's another large study that a lot of people don't talk about because it's a European study. It's called the French Cohort Study. And they, this is a study that was just as big, over 80,000 women, just as big as the Women's Health Initiative that we had here. And um, what they found, what they were studying there was a synthetic estrogen. They were studying women on no hormone replacement therapy, and they were also studying women on natural bioidentical progesterone or micronized progesterone. And this, again, thousands and thousands of women, thousands of what we call patient hours. And they went and looked at this data, and what they found was, no shocker, the women on the synthetic forms had an increased risk slightly for breast cancer. No surprise there. But it was the women that were actually on nothing that had a middle risk for breast cancer because the women on the bioidentical progesterone had statistically the lowest risk for breast cancer on bioidentical progesterone. So it was even argued Mm. in that, not only were we seeing that the bioidentical form of progesterone was not increasing the risk uh, for breast cancer, it was even argued that being on it was more protective than women that were on nothing. So, um, but again, that's a, it's a European study, large European study. It's often quoted here in the U.S., but we don't hear about that one as much uh, as maybe we would the WHI or that Women's Health Initiative. So, yeah, and, and other studies, and there's way more to it than even just that. Um, but there is no conclusive proof that we are getting an increased risk for breast cancer using natural bioidentical yeah, hormone replacement therapy. Yeah, so and the problem key. is that's, that that's, we... That's a that's must. Key. Yes, it's, exactly. It's, mm-hmm. and it's a big distinction. And a lot of times doctors will say, well, you know, an estrogen is an estrogen is an estrogen. It's all the same thing. And, so, and that's what we tend to hear. That's what the media sort of propagates. So, um, and we, we think that that's true, and it's just not. Because from a biochemical standpoint, Premarin... Uh, which is what they were studying in the Women's Health Initiative, which is horse urine uh, uh, estrogens, is very distinct 
and very different in many of its chemical shapes that's in there. There's many different types of synthetic estrogens that are found in that uh, medication. Um, very distinct to natural estradiol or natural progesterone in a, in a woman's body. So, um, therefore, it affects breast tissue differently, ovarian and, and uterine tissue differently. The receptors are going to be stimulated in a different way uh, negatively with a synthetic in comparison to a bioidentical. So, yeah, and I, again, I, I reference a lot of these things in my, in my book as well, and there's lots of, uh, lots of other doctors uh, out there talking about these things as well. Mark Gordon, another brilliant doctor, talks about these things too, uh, big in uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm very confident with it, and I always remind women too, uh, my mother, who is 71, would never go without her uh, estrogen and testosterone replacement at this point. Uh, <laughs> and we, I focus on uh, subcutaneous pellets, small little pellets that we surgically place that last three to six months. But she'd never go without her pellets at this point, uh, and she's been doing it for 10 years. And I wouldn't put it in any woman's body if I thought it was a problem, let alone uh, dear old mom. So uh, right. <laughs> I'm very but confident But bioidentical is the, is the must. That's a must. Is the must. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the must. It is the distinction uh, for sure. And at the hormone zone, that's what we focus on. So let's go back to that, the, the domino effect. And I know like, you know, we, we always talk about there's no one size fits all. And I imagine it's a very different approach from you for you being whether the person is perimenopause or postmenopausal. But let's, let's go to the, to the perimenopausal uh, patient. As a general yeah. rule, if they present with hormonal imbalance and thyroid imbalance at the same time. Is there any good, um, do you do it all at once? Do you treat the thyroid first and then sometimes see it all fall, shift back into place? Or um, anything you could tell the, the, the perimenopause uh, patients out there of, of maybe like what Dr. Robinson's protocol might be? So and before you do that, wait. Before you do that, I want to know exactly what age group you're. Um, you think you're describing yes. Tiffany as, yes, as far as the perimenopause yeah, goes? You, um, <clears throat> because I'm, so, I'm thinking she might be directing this at me, Dr. Robinson. So <laughs> secretly, that's what she does sometimes. Yeah. So secretly, she tries to help me. So I want to know. Give me your straight answer. What age are we I, talking I will, about? I will speak directly, indirectly to you, uh, as well. Um, perimenopause. The word peri means around. So perimenopause can be, gosh, uh, it can be starting in your 30s, and it can go well okay. into your 50s. Yeah. Yeah. There can be an overlap of age to some degree. Menopause implies that you're full-blown, you haven't had uh, a menstrual cycle for 12 months or longer, and menopause can happen as early as the 30s. The youngest menopausal, natural menopausal uh, woman I've ever dealt with was 32, um, and that's not even considered premature ovarian failure, which that can happen in your 20s. But natural menopause can technically happen in your 30s. Have many women in their late 30s go into menopause. But most of the time, menopause is around, you know, it's in the a average age in the United States. 48? 51. 51, or 48. Okay. That's a very common age, perhaps. And so perimenopause implies the leading up towards um, full, you know, ovarian kind of slowdown. And that can I'm having a hot flash right now. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is when hot, hot flashes and, and yeah. cycles would change, correct? 
Yes. And let me give an example since you brought up uh, hot flash. A perimenopausal woman will say, I'll say, do you have hot flash? And she'll say, yeah, you know, sometimes when I'm on the radio, I'll have one. Or uh, every once in a while, it kind of happens here or there. Maybe. I don't know. But a woman who's in menopause is going to say, uh-uh. She'll write a book about it. She'll know exactly what it means to have a hot flash and a night sweat, and we'll have them constantly. So you can see it sometimes. Oh, God. So perimenopause. Okay, so wait a minute. I have, to, I have to totally distract us and go to, and I can't even think of the movie with Adam Sandler where he plays his sister and himself, and she gets up from the bed, and there's this whole sweat spot of her whole yeah. body layer. Yeah. That is That's a very real thing. Think of. Yes. Night sweats are horrible. A lot of times that's why women are having sleeping issues. It's not so much as just distinct insomnia. They're just having night sweats that's disturbing their sleep. A little bit of natural estrogen can go a long way, make the night sweat go away, and now they're sleeping like a baby. Um, so, yeah, the night sweats are, are nasty and real business, uh, real, real stuff there. So, yeah, so with perimenopause. I love the way you said a, a menopausal woman can write a book on oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they know what it's about. For sure, and she uh, might need her. She might need her own bed too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my gosh. So yeah, I, I think um, perimenopause can be this long, drawn-out thing. But typically, perimenopause is like maybe a couple, two, three years leading into starting, often more likely in the late 40s, and this is when the ovaries start to slowly shut down. Um, sometimes they're secreting estrogen, progesterone, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're awake, sometimes they're asleep. Sometimes you have a period, sometimes you don't. You know, where you're skipping periods, things like that. That's up and down. Right. And that's a, um, an up and down process, an up and down on how you feel. Um, the ovaries are doing their thing. So when people ask me to help with that, really what I'm helping with with that is um, kind of balancing out how they feel, I can't really balance that process out. I can, right. Sort of, I but can. That's a, I guess fairly, that's, a, that's a normal process. Kind of exactly, what I'm getting at I mean. is... I can't... Exactly. So, so you wouldn't necessarily, in that perimenopausal person, uh, address if there's a thyroid problem, and, and a thyroid can cause hormonal imbalances, is that correct? Yes, yeah. So okay. I would say what I would do in that case, I would treat the thyroid first in that patient and see what we get. Um, and Thank that could you. be after a month or two. Yeah, so <laughs> treating that first would be the, the, thing, the thing to do and then see. But here's the thing, and this is I'm, I'm really big into results here. I am very big into people not suffering. So right. if we wait a certain amount of time that the patient is comfortable with, and maybe a month or two, and they're still not where they need to be, then it's time to consider potentially some replacement. Um, right. So let's say in a perimenopausal woman, a lot of times they really don't need estrogen, maybe a little progesterone, but what they often need is testosterone. And so we'll start there, and testosterone can help with a hot flash in a perimenopausal woman. If a menopausal woman walks in the door, I can give her testosterone all day long, and that won't be enough to help with her off flash or night sweat. I need to add in the estrogen. So it just depends uh, what the situation is. But perimenopausal women, a little bit of testosterone can go a long way, but I would, if they've got a thyroid issue, because thyroid hormone can start to rebalance out ovarian function, sometimes, that's a good distinction, sometimes women will come in and it looks like, oh gosh, they're going into menopause. And they're getting maybe close anyway, but if we balance the thyroid, we might be able to prolong that menopausal process that if we, you know, otherwise, if we hadn't treated the thyroid and given adequate thyroid hormone. 
and that that's exactly what I was getting at because what what's very interesting to me is when is when physicians will just out the door you know here's the whole enchilada and there's a a thyroid problem and 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 like you said clearly it really depends on the person's age you know given a couple months of normalizing the thyroid you know then if they're still suffering but but I love the fact that it's so individual there's never just this one size fits all here you go there's your prescription out the door on your first visit you know what i'm saying or or your first blood draw or whatever that's what i love about talking to you and that's what i want to try to really impress to the listeners is it's really a process correct it it, it is and 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 i will add to that again i i'm i'm into results so what i do is i meet the patient where they're at some people are just walking in and they're just ready for results. They've already gone to 10 other doctors. They maybe have gone other and 10 other naturopathic physicians. Right. And they're done. They're, like, they're ready for the results. They've come, or especially, if, gosh, if people are traveling uh, out of state, they're coming in because they're looking for some results. They don't want to walk out and say, well, I'll, I'll see you next month and we'll talk about it. They, they're looking for answers. And other people are not. Other people are saying, well, I'm here to get answers and feel comfortable. I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk to my husband. We're going to think about it. I'm going to digest. So I need to meet the patient where they're at, and my job is to serve whatever it is the need is of that individual. So here at the Hormone oh, I Zone. Love that. I, love that. I love that. I love that. Let's just step back for just a minute because that is exactly what all patients want. That's exactly what, what you just said. That's, That's what, what all patients want. deserve. That should be standard walking out of medical school 101 in my mind, and it certainly was for me. Um, unfortunately, sometimes in medical school we get a little jaded or uh, away from the original mission of why you walked in those doors in the first place, which hopefully was to serve. Um, so meet the patient where they're at, go with there, because i got all kinds of ideas in my head. I, I, I may even have some strong opinions here and there about things, but that doesn't matter. What matters is what the patient wants and needs and meeting that need, and then you, re- you create the rapport, and then from there you move in a direction that the patient is wanting. Uh, and, again, needing. There's a difference between a want that's and a, need. That's a flower field right there. That, that's <laughs> the, the flower ultimate. I see. I can yes. smell the flowers right now, yes. Uh, the ultimate totally. physician approach. That's the ul- that's you, right. That is the ultimate physician for the patients, Dr. Robinson. You just laid it out Nailed perfectly. It. Mm-hmm. And let, let, me, let, me, let me toot the horn a little <clears throat> bit of my profession. And I would say that most naturopathic physicians think about it just what I just said there, and that naturopathic physicians do hold on to their calling even after medical school. And, and naturopathic medical school is horrendous. I mean, it's, it's a hard process. Well, a lot of us walk out of it after four years. It's, you know, battle-worn. It's like, it's, it's like war. But despite all of that, we still hold on to the philosophy that is what I described. And so I would encourage any listener to explore naturopathic medicine and what that has to offer. Explore the different schools that are all over uh, the United States. Um, explore naturopathic.org. Um, which is the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, and look for a physician maybe in your area. And if you're wanting, uh, and uh, I would be happy to serve, I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's just that, that's just why I went into naturopathic medicine, because that was already there. I just went there and sort of awoken what was already sort of inside me, and then it just helped to kind of codify the, the language of it, because I was surrounded by all these other people who were just thinking that way, and that's the way the, the staff and the professors and, and the physicians that we worked with were. 
I want to ask you a question about your book. I mean, or actually, I just want you to give a little commercial about your book because um, you know we just we just love you, and um, you know people people need to read it. So um, I just want you to give a little bit about where it came from, how you started it, you know, a little bit about what it's. I mean, you've touched on it throughout this the show today, but I want you to just sure. give us a little bit more. Great, thank you for that opportunity. I, you know, I was in. Uh, when I first came out of medical school, I was in a very uh, busy practice where we focused on hormone replacement therapy. It was in a, I had a great opportunity to work in a very busy practice and work with, again, thousands of patients. Um, and, but it was very busy. And there was times where I just, uh, I knew there was things going on. I started, uh, I would say I didn't go to thyroid. Thyroid came to me in droves and droves of menopausal women mostly. Uh, and uh, I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to answer the why. I wanted to find out why they were still suffering, uh, and they were perhaps on T4 only therapy. And I, I didn't, I didn't understand. Uh, so I, I looked into it for their sake, and then got very passionate about it. So anyway, I decided that I wanted to write a book, and the original title was Your Thyroid Hormones. That's what I thought it was going to be something like that. I just really wanted to write a book for my thyroid patients. And as I started to write um, and putting it all together, I realized that it was more than what I thought it what was going to be. Because once I started to talk about thyroid, I realized, well, now I need to talk about estrogen and testosterone and sex right. hormones. And right. once I started talking about that, I thought, well, I, now I've got to talk about adrenals, and now I have to talk about insulin and blood sugar control. I have to talk about diet. Well, I'm a naturopath, so I'm going to talk about some spirituality, and we're going to talk about, you know, you know mental health and all of these things, uh, you know, a lot about diet, and how all of that intertwines with the concept of metabolism. And so metabolism is really what this is all about, not just about energy and your ability to lose body fat. That's important. But it's also about the ability to change, and metabolism is about change, and hormones are about literally the means to change. So I just kept talking. I couldn't shut my mouth. And when I was in um, undergrad, I was, a, I was an English major. Um, so for me, being able to write and just get it all out for the sake of the patient, I wanted to put it all in a book and say, here, this is for you. Because I was in a position where I couldn't always say everything that I wanted to say in the medical model that I was in for a while because I was so busy. So I wrote the book for the patient to give them an overall large detailed handbook overview about what hormones are and certainly a lot of detail about thyroid. There's probably, I would say, more about thyroid than anything else in the book um, because, then again, that was the main driving uh, uh, reason why I wrote the book. So that was, uh, it was, it took me about four years to get through it. It's got over 600 different sightings, you know, medical research and all of that. It took me a while to get through that. The editing process was a huge learning process for me, uh, very, very challenging. And it was published in December of 2011. Um, so uh, interestingly, as we're bringing it up, I, I, I feel like it's getting close to being time to perhaps update that. Uh, and add more things. Like I know I didn't talk about LDN in there, and I would love to be able to add more information in there, such as LDN and other things. Uh, you, you know, medicine well, is always you, changing. Yeah. Since you brought that up, uh, we have a couple questions. I know we got to let you go soon, but we have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Speaking of LDN, who should ask their doctors about LDN? What patient? Where are they at? Anybody with a thyroid <laughs> condition and they think they have Hashimoto's, in my opinion, should hands down 
Ask About LDN, and Beyond LDN. Um, that's currently that is my position uh, because there are really no side effects with it. It's a long-term use of it, long-term study, so that I believe that the uh, safety is there. Um, I think those people should hands down be asking them. Now the challenge will be, of course, you know, a doctor understanding that and willing to prescribe it. But what I would encourage is to, uh, anybody that's curious about it for thyroid is to go to ldnresearchtrust.org and, uh, and explore that website and the physicians that are available there, including myself, um, in a directory. Uh, so random uh, people that are uh, doctors that are across the United States and out of the, out of the country as well to be able to prescribe LDN. Um, anybody with um, any autoimmune condition at all, because that's what LDN is really working on, any autoimmune condition, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, lupus, um, and then on and on. Um, and again, even we're looking at things like autism that we we're th saying, well, maybe that is actually just autoimmune in nature. Uh, that's so amazing. Even things, yes, yes. That's amazing. Things like uh, fibromyalgia uh, that we sometimes think are neurological-based are probably autoimmune-based, or at least a combination of the two. And so, should, they hmm. be, should they be getting, um, you know, is this something that your doctor is giving you constant support with? Because I can tell you, I took LDN. It's almost been, I guess, almost two years, and mm -hmm. I wasn't getting any support, and I just, I don't know if I didn't give it a long enough chance, or I, I don't really remember, because, you know, I have brain fog, and uh, I'm still a thyroid patient, so I don't really remember, but I do remember the vivid dream. They were yeah. very vivid, and I never, ever took my medicine at night. Oh. I did not get support from my doctor. And I um, I did have a, a bit of an increased sex drive. I remember that, and you know, but and I don't really remember more. Other than that, like, did I feel better? I don't know. I mean, I have, I have hormone issues, so I don't really know um, if I gave it gave it a good enough uh, shot or not. But um, well, you know, that's I, I would maybe great. my doctor maybe. Maybe my doctor could have helped along the way, or is that how you approach it? Uh, is there yeah, does it need would, does it need constant contact or not? I, well, I think any patient needs constant contact, no matter what, um, about anything that they're taking, and constantly, mm. you know, referencing whatever it is that's been prescribed or whatever the course of treatment is. With that said, uh, also two years, by the way, you gave it the college try. I mean, that that was very good. Um, you did a great job. No, that job was with two that. years ago. No, no, oh, two, two years, years ago. ago. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. How long yeah, did that's you take a, it? That's yeah. a great question, though. That is actually a great yeah. question, uh, Dr. Robinson. What is for someone who gets prescribed LDN, you've got a good candidate. Uh, let's. What is the good college try? How long do you give it to uh, help resolve some of their symptoms? I imagine the numbers is really fairly irrelevant, but yeah. I know you said about so, a year to actually affect the numbers, but the what's numbers, the college yeah, try say. on symptom resolutions? Okay, so I don't give LDN for symptom resolution. But LDN can it's help not. with symptom resolution. What the reason is because I'm giving thyroid hormone in doses right. between so two really to four grams. So it really is more about the reducing the immune attack. Yes, yeah, I, that's what I'm focusing on. I want to see okay. less Hashimoto's flares where people suddenly have large uh, antibodies coming up. They feel like their throat suddenly swol uh, gets swollen. That's a Hashimoto's flare. We want to see less of those things. Um, okay. But honestly, when I give thyroid hormone in, in, in natural thyroid hormone like nature thyroid or armor in ranges of two to four grains or more depending on the patient 
they are getting better in so many ways. Uh, we're, we're using uh, nutritional approaches. Often there's other hormone support that's happening all at the same time. So they're getting right. so much symptomatic relief from so many other angles, particularly mostly from the thyroid hormone, that I'm not using the LDN for that. But the, the icing on the cake or the, the, the bonus has been, yes, people will say, I'm on it now and I feel a sense of well-being and things like that. So I'm getting that. But that's not right. the main drive. That's not My the, main drive that's is... Not the main drive. Just for the for the antibodies, and again, the antibodies would take about a year to be on. So the college try and for me would say, let's see what happens after a year of being on it. You know, you just okay. you just brought up a great question for me. Um, you know, what is a good amount of time? You know, you have some people that want their, you know, in these forums, and and we try to you know direct questions to a lot of the questions that get asked in the forums and things like that. But how often should somebody really have their antibodies tested? You know, you have some people like, I need it done in a month, and some people like, uh, three months. What, what is a good, uh, is it once a year? I would, I, I would say two times a year would be twice a good. Twice a year. Uh, twice a year, yeah. And, and, and the reason that, and that's a great point. People are looking for, you know, they start treatment with me, and we're checking antibodies in a, in a, in a month. Uh, which sometimes it kind of we do it and whatever, and I, I really try to sway away from it because it can still be in the midst of its little bit of flares there. Right. And, and to me, one month is like five minutes. It's it's just started in terms of treatment, right. uh, and so yeah, it can be confusing. So I, I would wait. I'd do my best to wait a good six months before we take a look at it, especially as long as they're getting symptomatic relief. And 99.9 percent of my patients walk out with some level of symptomatic relief in a, in within the first month they're getting something they might not be exactly where they need to be um but uh, where they want to be but we're getting some kind of symptomatic control and uh that's the key so people are feeling better then they can stay the course of whatever treatment like staying on the LDN for a year and watching those numbers get better great mm. mhm <clears throat> Okay, so we gotta okay. we gotta ask you one more question. Sure. Go ahead, Santa. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. We want to no, ask you. you. Do you want? No, no, you, no, you. Do you want no, to? No, no. It, it's kind of an honor, something that that uh, you shared with us. But um, being asked to be a speaker at the LDN conference, you want to tell us a little bit about that, or? Oh yes, yes. Uh, thanks for that's, reminding me that's of that. That's pretty yes. cool. Yeah, I was really yeah, excited yeah. about that. Um, yeah. So let me let me just, let me add really quick. I've um is it, are you in touch with or friends with? Is she still in charge of Linda Elsgood? Yes, Linda Elsgood is uh, a fellow Brit. Uh, you know, I, my father was British, so she's from uh, uh, England, and uh, yep. we have spoken on the phone, and she's interviewed me as well. That interview should be coming up here pretty soon. She'll be putting that up pretty soon. But she has invited me to to speak uh, at the LDN conference. They have one every year. They just got done having one. Uh, so they're, they're, they're slated for, I think it was September of 2017 uh, in, in Portland. And so uh, very excited about uh, that opportunity because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about LDN as it applies to thyroid. 
Um, mm. So it gives me an opportunity to dig into that even deeper. I'm going to start kind of compiling some internal data with that uh, about what our experiences have been here at the Hormone Zone and then present that, and that'll be a 15-minute presentation, and then there's also an opportunity to speak for an hour, and that's kind of like a recorded session that people can go back and reference. They're very organized on their website, awesome. uh, and I, again, I highly recommend checking it out uh, because you can go up and see other uh, doctors, other uh, doctors talking about thyroid specifically as it applies to LDN, uh, other brilliant people, uh, about all these different conditions that they're treating. That's what I didn't realize. I knew about a lot of autoimmune conditions, but when I'm hearing things like autism and psychiatric and weight loss and things like that, there's just so many things they're using with it now. So, um, yes, I would... And that's the LDN, uh, LDNResearchTrust.org? LDNResearchTrust.org, yes. And so I'm very excited uh, to speak uh, there at that time in, uh, next year. That's an honor. That's going to be huge. wonderful. Yeah. That is such I was, an honor, I was like, right? Re- really honored. Yeah, they're they're just doing their, they're doing a great job there, and uh, it's uh, really really honored to be part of that. Well, okay. We are so glad that you came on and talked to us again today. Made us smile. Gave us some great things to think about. We just love yes, we got Robinson. in the flower field, didn't we? Flower we field. We did. Mm-hmm. We did many many times. <laughs> Deep sigh. That's therapy uh, in and of itself. Ooh. Yes. That's right. Well, and like I always say, healing is always an option. Healing is always an option, and I always tell my patients that no matter what. I leave you guys with that as well, Uh, and that's for all of us. Uh, We can always bring things back together again, make whole again, which is what healing means, and that's nothing but a decision away. In order to change, Mm -hmm. we just have to raise our standards. We just have to move our shoulds into musts and just do it, and that's really what we're doing here at the Hormone Zone. We're, We're creating that culture of a higher standard for health, and people are welcome to join that because that's really what they want and need in the end anyway. So I look forward to I doing this that. again, ladies. Make whole again. Yes. I love that. Yes, yes. Make whole again. Yes. Maybe next time we'll do it with your wife. That would be really great. Oh, that's a that great would be idea. so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Right? Look, yeah. you're going to be our first third show. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. All right. I think it's great with her. That's a wonderful idea. Yeah. That'd All be right. wonderful. Well, okay, sir. We love you. Thank you so much. I Have love a wonderful you, ladies, day. Thank so you so much. much. Yes. And go serve some some fabulous people and give them some help. You too. Yes. Thanks All again, right, Dr. Robinson. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. <sighs> I love that I man. Know, right. I do too. <laughs> I, I just can't get enough of him. You know what I mean? It's like, just tell me more. I mean, you know, trying to stay focused on the hormones and the LDN, but that's what my, I hear, my brain was like going, oh, I love death. Uh, and I was trying to rein myself in. Oh, my gosh. Like, happy. Just, wow. He, he's talking huh? to us, and I just was like, okay, I'm just smiling. He's just talking to us. I'm happy to have him on. So I oh, was no, good, right? right? And he's so easy to talk to. You know, what a great doc. That, that really, I mean, that, that is so important, Dana, that a doctor takes, I mean, the time to really look at the origin of all. I mean, you could hear it in the way he was talking just to the two of us. That is oh. just, that's priceless in I a know. physician. You know what I mean? That they actually can mm-hmm. hear you, like, stress the origin or they, you know. I mean, there's just... Um, that's priceless in a physician to be able to get someone who can actually hear you. You remember when Dr. Holtorf was saying that people would cry, the patients would cry when, yes. you know, they felt like he could, they, that he could hear them. 
you know. Yeah, that's so sad, though, in the grand scheme of things, how many people don't get heard by their physician, you know. Well, it is I know Sebastian Kern, he was you know, talking about his recent endocrinologist oh, visit. And, yeah, right, yes. just oh. the stories of and, just bad docs. And not being heard. Yeah, not being heard and not, you know, uh, feeling validated. You know, he was asking for some tests, and they were like, yeah, no, we don't do that. Like, And you're silly or stupid or whatever the word is for even thinking or asking for these tests. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. That'd be a great totally. book, wouldn't um, it? Bad docs. Would it? Bad doc. Oh, gosh, bad doctors doc. would hate okay, it. So the, a book that's written by patients. Okay, this is what we need from you. Oh, that's an idea. Right. I'll just put that on my list that's of to-dos. Idea. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a really long list. Okay. So, I'll plan to write that in my Dr. 70s. Holter, I am, speaking of Dr. Holter, we're going to have to, we're going to have to call upon him to, to be, get back on the show again. I was just chatting with Maggie Hadley-West about Sick to Death, yesterday oh, and I can't still wait working on that still working on it she is it is a, lo- a labor of love and she is so wonderful and you know it's still not ready but she's getting closer and closer so I know Dr. Holdorf is a big part of that so we'll have to talk to both of them soon and I know Maggie Speaking recently up. asked a question right for thyroid patients to answer she I can't did. remember exactly she what did. the question is I remember answering it but it was something about <laughs> thyroid docs right what what right, it was. oh what was the question I don't remember but um, she wanted to know. Yeah, she was going to use your name and everything. I know. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Better watch out. Uh, be in the book or the movie or something, right? <laughs> well, okay, guys. This is another, we, another, 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 share, another, another. <laughs> let's share Dr. Can I share Dr. Robinson's website? Yes. Real yes. quick. Where to find this amazing man and his wife? Of course, they're, they practice in Arizona. But you can check him out on www.drjohnarobinson.com and also www.hormone, what is that, slash, hyphen, I, 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 hyphen. that gets me every time, weirdo. the hyphen, thank you, I am a weirdo, hormone-zone.com, both of those, and then the LDN website that he was referring to is ldnresearchtrust.org, a uh, ton of information I'm on there right now looking at, oh my goodness, just that is and very don't cool. To check out a copy of his book, The Hormone Zone. It's got the fantastic information. Uh, so much that you know you can't even cover. You know, and I don't even know how many episodes. But yes, got to check it it's out. All the Hormone Zone. It's on my website. It's on my website. It's on Amazon. It's on his website. You just got to check it out. Right. As Hormones always, all related to thyroid. They are, <laughs> and everything's everything's you know related, health related. You it's know, a big because picture. I, it is. That's right. It's a big picture. We're big picture people, baby. Um, okay. So thank you, thank you to our listeners. We love doing the show. We love the guests. And we couldn't do this um, without you and wouldn't have any reason to. So thank you for listening and for being there. And um, if you want, send in your thyroid uh, thriver story. I will be publishing, republishing one today from um, Jill, thyroid cancer survivor. And... Mm. Yes, yes, yes. That's about it. Right, and all kinds of stories in those thrivers. All kinds. Hyper, mm-hmm. Graves, thyroid cancer, hypo, Hashimoto's, everything. Yep. Covers covers it all. Please be sure to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Uh, Dan and I made this particular line with lots of love and light, just synthetic-free 
essential oils that help with certain symptoms and just natural, good, botanical skin care for everybody, really, not even, not necessarily even no. just the, the, the thyroid patient. But uh, we hope that you enjoy them as much as we enjoyed putting them together and as much as we hope we enjoy using them. So check it out, Thyroid and, Nation Essentials at ThyroidNation.com. Yeah. Check them out. We, um, there's nothing in there that is not good for you. Nothing. So nope. We nope. <laughs> so when we say natural, we really, really mean it. So uh so that's so go check it out. Just wanted to throw that in there. Maybe we can find some really eloquent, nice way to say that. But I just wanted to say basically there's really all the ingredients are good for you, not just not bad for you, they are good for you. So Right make and sure even, to follow our uh, even... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I know. No. Tired. I'm uh, tired today. What's that? I said we're both a little tired today. I am a little tired today. That Big Bear Day is a long day for me, but um, worth it. Lots of talking, and so. Um, but I wish everyone could come check out Thyroid Nation Essentials if you want to sample them. If you're close to the Joshua Tree Farmers Market on Saturday, hey, as long as we're talking about that, or the Big Bear Farmers Market on Tuesdays. Uh, make a drive up, and you can do some sampling and some smelling, and and just enjoy. Get your flower-filled moment on. Get make your sure flower, literally. Follow, right, totally. Make, make sure to follow us on um, all the social media platforms. We're everywhere. And check out our Hashis and Graves Facebook support group. I also created Thyroid Nation News uh, basically as a support. It's all videos. It needs a little love bit of the um, love. Yes, it needs a bit, of, a bit of love and some moderating and some help and things, but it will grow, and uh, it's there for you, too, for support and to check out real people around the world. So check that out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, most importantly of all, um, once again reiterated in the show, how important each individual person is and how you got to your thyroid situation Dan and I want to remind you again that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. There is just no take this one pill and everything is good. You have to keep constantly checking in with that amazing, fabulous body of yours uh, and be mindful of what it's telling you because it messages you all the time. That's right. And sometimes you're not even listening and and it's talking to you, so start listening, right? Mm-hmm. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringa Tika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Malenich of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Happy World Thyroid Day, guys, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>